all-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girl Bomb. Girl Bomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self care. So, to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you. And treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. This is the stuff of life. I'm your host, Julie Douglas, and in this episode, we take a look at desperation through the lens of art, war, and of all things, a survey. One that gives us insight into what keeps Americans up at night. If there is any truism, it's that art isn't about art, it's about everything else but it uses the language of art. That's artist Connor Everts, whose 1963 lithographs, Studies in Desperation, take on the themes of loss, longing, and despair. We talked to curator Tom Norris about how Everts' prints are potent reminders that what ails us humans today has changed a little from 1963. And it. It may not be pretty to look at, but it's there and it's a reality. The editor of Military History Now, Nathan Mallett, walks us through a few desperate times in history. Their sort of traditional way of fighting war suddenly was coming up short. So it was, you know, it was really, let's get creative here and see if we can, you know, what, what's going to work? Let's try, we'll try anything. And we talked to Dr. Ed Day from Chapman University about the 2016 results of the Survey of American Fears and the story these fears paint about the current national mood. We are a very suspicious nation. But first, a few other desperate times in history. In, you know, 1963 was a, a big year. Ladies and gentlemen... The Beatles! The year the first Beatles album came out, uh, Dylan's second album, um, which had Blowing in the Wind, came out that year. Um, and it was also the year the Mona Lisa traveled to the National Gallery in D.C. Um, but at the same time, the Cuba embargo was continuing, the Cold War was on, and um, somewhat of a nuclear arms race was happening. And our involvement in the Vietnam War, the civil rights movement, 
And then at the end of 1963, the assassination of JFK. This is Walter Cronkite in our newsroom. There has been an attempt, as perhaps you know now, on the life of President Kennedy. He was wounded in an automobile driving from Dallas Airport. So there were there was this sort of uh, a transition, a duality of sorts going happening in 1963. That's curatorial associate Tom Norris at Norton Simon Museum, which exhibited Studies in Desperation, a suite by the late artist Connor Everts, honoring the 50th anniversary of nine lithographs Everts created in 1963, the year that ushered in a sea change for the United States. In a 2003 interview, Everts reflected on his Studies in Desperation series. And what he said was, I was thinking about the state of the world and the view of the world from the womb. What if someone looked out from the womb and decided not to be born until it was a better world? To capture the unraveling of society, the first lithograph depicts two figures, at first entwined. But as the series progresses, unraveling and breaking down. And in the end, they sort of find themselves in this circular sort of womb-like feature and there's bones and teeth and and phalluses and and um, fingers and it's just kind of a a jumble of um, of parts so to speak and it brings it back to his quote about wanting to sort of go back into the womb in some way waiting it out until the world is a better place With time and distance, it's easy to forget just how jarring John F. Kennedy's assassination was, just how much Americans reeled in response to the cutting down of someone who represented all the ideals of a democracy that, in theory, should have prevented such a tragedy from happening in the first place, and by extension, would keep all sorts of random acts of violence at bay for everyone else. The assassination tore a hole in reality, and Everts peered through it. It's the the breaking down of these forms, these bodies, is somewhat of an allegory for just how Everts is feeling the world is breaking down. And with everything going on in 1963, the world around him was so, sort of dissolving in his eyes. Something that we can all relate to. Studies, I think, would point to the idea that we're all finding our way and figuring it out. No one knows the correct path, and we're all studying to to try and find that. One path to finding our way is to examine our past, something history professor and editor Nathan Mallett does on his site, Military History Now. So much of military history, when you read it, is about, you know, this well-known general in this well-known battle and, you know, um, or this well-known, you know, tank or airplane or something. Everyone knows that stuff. These are the things that people might have missed. And that's really the objective of this. Here's some things you never really thought of before. Here's a story, you know, you'd never encountered or kind of the footnotes to it. And uh, some of them are just really intriguing. One story in particular is what's known as the business plot. On the 21st of November, 1934, the following rather chilling article appeared in the New York Times. 
It concerns the discovery of a planned coup that could have altered the course of American history. Yet today, hardly anyone knows anything about it. In the Military History Now article, The Business Plot, Did American Billionaires Plan a Fascist Coup?, Nathan writes about wealthy Wall Streeters and corporate bigwigs, the one percenters of their time. They were worried about the victory of Democrat Franklin D. Roosevelt. They felt his New Deal programs would usher in communism. The idea of the business plot was to overthrow FDR and install, as Nathan describes in his article, quote, an ultra-nationalist and business-friendly regime modeled after Mussolini's Italy. A plot of Wall Street interests to overthrow President Roosevelt and establish a fascist dictatorship backed by a private army of half a million ex-soldiers and others appeared before the House of Representatives Committee on Un-American Activities, which began hearings on the charges. Fast forward 80 years later to the year 2012, right after the re-election of Barack Obama. Similar sentiments were brewing about Obama ushering in an era of communism with a loss of liberties to follow. And one of today's most famous one percenters tweeted, quote, We can't let this happen. We should march on Washington and stop this travesty. And we should have a revolution in this country. The author of the 2012 tweets, Donald Trump. Any chance we have to sort of shine the light on something that's a little different uh, that you might have missed. And also, if we can link it to, um, to something that's happening currently. Why is this important? Why does this story matter? And why does this story matter now? As we know, saber-rattling can become concrete policy. And concrete policy based on desperation tends to fail. Like one infamous U.S. military conflict, the Vietnam War. Other types of sort of unconventional uh, uh, counterinsurgency tactics being used in Vietnam would be, uh, I would say, the, the efforts uh, to, to wipe out or knock out the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Nathan's referring to a specific point in the Vietnam War when the U.S. tried to close down a main artery of supplies and munitions, the Ho Chi Minh Trail. This north-south running route was of such tactical importance that from 1967 to 1972, the U.S. military ran a secret weather manipulation program called Operation Popeye, meant to extend the monsoon season and flood the Ho Chi Minh Trail by seeding clouds with silver iodide and lead iodide, inducing rainfall. And that is just one of several extreme attempts to move the needle of war. To wipe out the trail itself. Um... They came up with some interesting uh, ideas. Uh, I don't, they, they weren't very effective, but they were interesting. Uh, one of them was to drop industrial-strength soap flakes onto the Ho Chi Minh Trail during the rainy season so that the soap would interact with the water and then foam up, and it would literally wash the trail away, um, or it would make it sort of a very sort of a soupy, sticky mass that nobody could pass through. Stories like this matter now because you could argue we live in a time where hope is in short supply. There's hand-wringing over the economy, over culture, over climate and resources. There's a palpable desperation. And we can learn from our past. And more importantly, we can study our present. 
And one of the ways to do that is to examine the underlying fears that drive our thoughts and actions. In 2014, I interviewed Dr. Ed Day of Chapman University about wave one of the survey they had just conducted, the American Survey of Fears. I asked him what his fear was. I am absolutely petrified of heights. <laughs> Put me on one of those swinging footbridges and I get vertigo immediately. And there's no, there's no rationale behind that. I had a chance to follow up with Ed on what is now wave three of the study, released in October of 2016. And I asked him if his own fears have changed since 2014. Now, when I look at things like the... Uh, uh, how people react to conspiracy theories, um, how suspicious they are of a government that they themselves elected. I worry about the, the fate of democracy. We'll get to the conspiracy theories in a minute, which, by the way, is a new and very important data point to the survey. But first, a quick explanation of how the survey works. First, it's a weighted random sample of the American population over the age of 18. We're talking about 1,500 people of all walks of life. This is something that appeals to science geeks. I don't know if it appeals to anyone else. <laughs> um, but when we did the uh, uh, original survey, um, as we were piloting ideas, as we were doing sort of more qualitative textual interviews to find out what people would be afraid of and what we should be putting on the survey, we, we used the natural language that people used. Um, and, and that really boiled down to some things were fears, like uh, you know, crime-related stuff, things where were people said they weren't afraid, but they were concerned or they were worried. So we used that language in the question. We had a bunch of questions about what are you, you know, are you afraid of this? Other questions which said, are you concerned of this? Other questions which said, are you worried about this? And we thought that gave us our best initial shot. But at the same time, we couldn't directly compare uh, questions where we asked, are you afraid, with questions where we asked, are you concerned? Um, and, and starting with wave two, we said, okay, we've got that snapshot with the natural language. Now let's rephrase the question. So we're asking, how afraid are you of everything? And then we can do direct comparison. In 2014, the top five fears were, number one, walking alone at night. Two, becoming a victim of identity theft. Three, safety on the internet four, mass shootings, and five, public speaking. In contrast, 2016's top five is fully stocked with a number of despair-fueled fears. The first is government corruption. The second, terrorist attacks. Three, not having enough money. Four, general terrorism. And five, restriction on firearms and ammunition. This feels a little paranoid and a little desperate. I do think you're right that it reflects a sort of, of desperation among people. And yes, I think it's definitely media-driven. Um, the concern with corruption officials you know, popping up in 2015, that's right when the primary season, you know, it, we, we do the survey in the spring, and it was right when the primary season was cranking up. And then we did 2016, it was in full swing. And you basically had our national leaders telling our population that our government is corrupt and no good probably not a surprise that Americans have believed them. 
One of the starkest examples of this is the number 10 fear on the survey. It was not the Affordable Care Act that rose to number 10. It was Obamacare. We asked the question about Obamacare. People respond differently to when you ask them about uh, the Affordable Care Act and when you ask them about Obamacare. They don't realize that they are the same thing. And, and that's where you can really see the media effect is Obamacare, you know, that term being a pejorative term that was applied across many media, that has affected people. And so if you ask them about that term, you will see that they're more afraid of it than they would be about the Affordable Care Act, even though that's the exact same thing. In a January 2017 broadcast of Jimmy Kimmel Live, on-the-street interviews illustrate that many people are still confused or misinformed about the ACA. We decided to ask this question again to see if Americans have learned anything over the last three years. And, well, let's see if we have. We're talking to people about health care today. Okay. Do you support Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act? Uh, Affordable Care Act. And why is that? Well, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Obama, so I don't support him in the Obama things that he's got going on. I'm actually really excited for President-elect Donald Trump, so... Right. So you don't like anything Obama does, and you prefer the Affordable Care Act? Absolutely. Do you support Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act? I support Obamacare. So if you were a senator and you could vote today, you would vote to keep Obamacare instead of the Affordable Care Act? Yes. Do you support Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act? Uh, I guess the Affordable Care, Affordable Care Act. And why do you prefer the Affordable Care Act over Obamacare? Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, my girlfriend supports Trump, so I go with whatever she goes, whatever she says. What is the main difference between Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act? One is you, you, you pay. And then the other one is Obama pays. The survey of American fears bears out consequences of this kind of half-baked knowledge being flouted as fact. And this is where the survey on conspiracy theories comes in. We asked about uh, uh, what we thought were the nine most common uh, conspiracies, you know, and we, and we just asked whether people believed the government was concealing information about, let's see, well, in order, 9-11, the JFK assassination, alien encounters, global warming, plans for a one-world government, Obama's birth certificate, the origin of the AIDS virus, uh, the death of Supreme Court uh, uh, Justice Scalia, because that had happened and been in the news a lot, and the moon landing. Uh, what we found is that out of those nine, Roughly three out of four Americans think the government's concealing information about some, at least one of those things. Uh, one out of ten people believe the government's concealing information about all of them. That we distrust the government and grasp for explanations about things that seem mystical or scary on some level is unfortunate. But the study reveals something far more treacherous about how paranoia and desperation affect our ability to think clearly. Example one. Almost 43% of Americans believe that the government's concealing information about alien encounters. But then when we go back and we look at our paranormal belief questions, we see that uh, uh, it's only about 25% of people that believe aliens have recently visited the Earth. So people are more... You know, they're more willing to believe that the government is hiding information about aliens than actually believe aliens have been here. 
And that, to me, really points to the level of dysfunction we now have as citizens versus our government, that, that we believe they're hiding things about things that we don't believe actually happened. Here's another example. We wanted to know just how likely people are to believe in conspiracies, period. So we also asked about one that doesn't exist, that we made up. We called it the North Dakota crash. And we said, you know, do you believe the government is hiding information about the North Dakota crash? And we had almost one out of three, 32%, saying that, yes, the government is hiding information about this thing that never happened. So it just shows that right now a huge part of the population is willing to believe anything that gets offered up as a conspiracy theory because we have that much distrust of our government. And if you think that this kind of paranoia isn't being exploited, think again. Counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, yesterday used false information to defend the president's executive order on immigration. Um, I, I bet there was very little coverage. I bet, I bet it's brand new information to people that President Obama had a six-month ban on the Iraqi refugee program after two Iraqis came here to this country, were radicalized, and there were the master, masterminds behind the Bowling Green massacre. Well, Most people don't know that because it didn't get covered. There is no Bowling Green Massacre. What Kellyanne Conway is tapping into is not just a distrust of our government, but a deep distrust of each other. If we asked about selected social groups to get at a sense of where Muslims would fall into this distrust of the other, so we asked about, you know, are, how trustful are you regarding strangers, uh, Muslims, atheists, people in general, police officers and Christians, and it was in that order. Muslims were second only to strangers in terms of uh, uh, who Americans tend to distrust. When you're looking at Islamophobia, I think you see a clear impact of the media, because the fact is, less than 1% of the U.S. population is Muslim. They tend to be located in, in urban areas. When you look at how Islamophobia is distributed uh, in America, you see that uh, it's more like you know people who are more suspicious of Muslim, they're older, they're white, they're less educated, and they're rural. And these are the people who are least likely to have met a Muslim. 100% of their opinion is coming from media portrayals of them. People are, are willing to bite onto yeah, this is an other, this is an other we don't know. They tend to be portrayed as people who are dangerous. They must be dangerous. You could say this kind of deep distrust is being reflected back to the public and amplified, particularly with the newly established immigrant crime hotline. President Trump set up the voice hotline that is for victims of immigration crime engagement. Here's what he said in his joint address to Congress uh, announcing voice. And we must support the victims of crime. I have ordered the Department of Homeland Security to create an office to serve American victims. The office is called Voice, Victims of Immigration Crime Engagement. We are providing a voice to those who have been ignored by our media and silenced by special interests. In the midst of all of this, Ed wants to remind you of something. Well, the first thing is I'd like to reassure people, you're living in the safest time in history, in the safest place. So take a deep breath, 
And I also remind people that levels of fear matter. A little bit of fear is good. It can motivate you. Too much fear and you freeze and you don't do anything. If people are feeling powerless, use the power that you have. In his book, Consolations, The Solace, Nourishment, and Underlying Meaning of Everyday Words, poet David White writes about despair, the underlying condition for desperation. The antidote to despair, he writes, quote, is not to be found in the brave attempt to cheer ourselves up with happy abstracts, but in paying a profound and courageous attention to the body and the breath, independent of our imprisoning thoughts and stories, even strangely in paying attention to despair itself and the way we hold it, and which we realize was never ours to own and to hold in the first place. The question then is, can we allow despair to move through us without being warped by the paranoia inherent in it? And can we look past the grotesquerie of our times and move forward? To find out, we'll need to take a trip through the haunted halls of our imaginations. And in the next episode, we do just that, replicating one of the oldest stories we humans have been telling, the hero's journey. There's a lot of elements tied to going into a haunted house. In many ways, it's a rite of passage. It's the hero's journey. It's very primal. Um, There's something very exciting to go into a scary environment, to almost be struggling with a savage beast in a way, to have that adrenaline surge, but yet to know that you're safe. We'd like to thank Dr. Ed Day from Chapman University for his insights into the American psyche. And we'd like to thank Nathan Mallett of Military History Now, linking our past with our present. And finally, thanks to Tom Norris at Norton Simon Museum for walking us through the mind of an artist desperate to change the world. The Stuff of Life is written and executive produced by me, Julie Douglas, and co-produced by Noel Brown. Editorial oversight is provided by contributing producer Dylan Fagan and head of production Jerry Rowland. This episode also featured music by Dylan Fagan, Tristan McNeil, Aaron Grubbs, and Josh Boardman. You can find more of Josh's music at battletapesband.com. Additional music is by the band Breathers. You can find more of their music at breathers.bandcamp. This episode also features the songs... That hopeful future is all I've ever known. Stories about the world that once was and Cylinder 8. The songs are by Chris Zabrieski, and you can find more of his work at chriszabrieski.com. Find The Stuff of Life on Facebook and Twitter, and you can email us at thestuffoflife at howstuffworks.com. deserve to treat yourself so turn your tax refund into a u-fund and give yourself a straight talk wireless extended silver unlimited plan and get a new samsung galaxy a14 on them you can get a great everyday value on wireless with straight talks unlimited plan starting at 25 dollars a line per month for four lines you'll save so much you'll be enjoying that refund all year long it's the refund that keeps on refunding find straight talk at straighttalk.com or at your local walmart store
Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.